Father, we pray for eyes to see clearly today. May you move amongst us, Lord, for your glory, for our edification, our sanctification, even our salvation. And Lord, that we would be messengers of the true Christ and the true gospel for the salvation of others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Jeremiah 23, 29. The title of today's message is Burning Down the Roman Catholic Church. Or if you prefer, Burning Down the Antichrist Church. Or if you prefer, Burning Down Satan's Church. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, He says... Behold, I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them nor command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. Now in its context, obviously, this is the prophetic word of Jeremiah the prophet for the nation of Israel. However, it has universal application. God's word is always a fire. God's word is always a hammer. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord. It is omnipotent. It is all-powerful. It is inspired. It is inerrant. It is preserved. And it's powerful to burn down the lies of the devil wherever they be found. Is not my word like a fire, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. His word is always a hammer to break the rock in pieces, the rock that would dare stand up and defy the one true God, the rock that would dare stand up against the rock who is Jesus Christ, who will crush all would-be rocks that would stand in his way or stand in his place as antichrist. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets. These are false prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. The Roman Catholic Church is a church of false prophets and false teachers and false priests. A church of liars who lie to men, women, and children, telling them this way to heaven, this path to glory, only it's the path to hell and eternal destruction under the just judgment of God, the due penalty of sin. And they steal the word of God, quite literally for Centuries, they stole the Word of God. They bound up the Word of God and they kept the people from having the Scriptures inspired, inerrant, preserved, and authoritative being translated into their tongues so they could actually read them. They deliberately kept the Word of God from the people. They kept it in Latin. And only some of the priests... Some of the bishops and only some of the popes could actually read Latin themselves and attempt to understand it. But they did not attempt to preach the word. They did not attempt to rightly divide the word. No, they preached their doctrines. They preached their doctrines, the doctrines of Rome, the doctrines of the popes and the bishops and the councils of Rome as authoritative on par with Scripture. And they tell the common man, you can't even understand the word of God. Don't bother trying. Let the Pope and the bishops and the priests tell you what it says. For centuries, they kept the word of God from the people. They kept it bound up in Latin. Even speaking 
their own doctrines in Latin. <laughs> the people would come and understand nothing of the service except bowings and kneelings and wafer eatings and candle lightings. They kept them in darkness. But the Lord says to preach the word. Unleash the fire. Unleash the hammer. Unlike these false prophets. Oh, and how committed were they to suppressing the truth, to hiding the word of God, to keeping it from the people? They were so committed that in the midst of the Reformation, when men like Wycliffe and Tyndale found the word of God like Josiah of old in the wall of the temple, when they found the word of God, Rome condemned them to death. When they dared translate the word of God, Rome condemned them to death. And when they could not catch John Wycliffe in life, they exhumed his bones and burned his bones in death. They managed to catch Tyndale, the great Bible translator, after many years of him escaping them again and again. They managed to catch him after he was betrayed for money, and they burned him at the stake for the crime of translating the Word of God into the vulgar tongue of the people so they might read it, understand it. Because the church of Rome and its popes and bishops and priests knew that the Word of God is contrary to the doctrines they teach. That the very simple gospel of Jesus Christ that God has labored to make oh so clear in the pages of Scripture is utterly contrary to the false gospel of Rome. And so they sought to suppress God's Word and to keep it from the people. They stole the Word of God from their neighbor. And the Lord says, verse 31, Behold, I'm against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, He says, He says. Behold, I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them, nor command them. God did not send the popes, nor command them. God did not send the bishops of Rome, nor command them. God did not send the priests of Rome, nor command them to speak their lies. The command of God for the church was and is to preach the word, whether in season or out of season, to convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Preach the word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Why? Because the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That's why you preach the word. Right now in every Roman Catholic church around the globe, the Catholic men, women, and children have gathered. And in the center of the Roman Catholic church where they have gathered is an altar Because the priest's primary function is to re-crucify Christ in a non-bloody manner and serve him up, literally, the flesh of Christ in that wafer, the blood of Christ in that cup, to be eaten and drank for justification. This is the chief heresy of Rome. More on that later if we have time. But the very idea of the priesthood of Rome, the very idea of it being a church, is false. It's an antichrist priest, an antichrist church. It's Satan's priest, Satan's church. How do you know that? Just the very construction of it. The very title. Jesus is the final high priest with the final sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. And the priest shows up and says, wait, wait, I too am a priest. I too am a priest. Here, priest. Look at my fancy collar. And I too have a sacrifice. You know, when Jesus said... John 19.30, it is finished. Bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He was wrong. Well, wrong might be strong. He was mostly right, but not quite right. So kind of wrong in that. And we're actually re-crucifying him every day because I, as a priest of Rome, have been empowered to call Jesus from the right hand of the Father where he is seated after completing his work, finishing his work on the cross. I'm empowered to call him out of heaven into this wafer 
literally bodily. It is the actual body of Jesus, the actual blood of Jesus, to be actually eaten and drank for justification, and that is the means of salvation. Oh, don't you see? Which is why we have an altar at the center of the Roman Catholic Satanic Church, and why I am a priest making another sacrifice. It's Satan's priest. It's Satan's church. It's Satan's altar. It's all Antichrist. They come with lies, not according to the Word of God, and God did not send them. Oh, may the Word of God burn that church, Satan's church, and their lies to the ground to set them free. Saints, the Reformation is not over. When there are 1.3 billion Roman Catholic men and women still on the face of the planet. I love to quote Charles Spurgeon of old because he was an actual reformer, unlike the vast majority of men and women who call themselves reformed today who are not reformed at all. They are stuffy, good-for-nothing theologians. They're not reformers. They're not reforming. Therefore, they're not reformers. They're not protesting. Therefore, they're not Protestants. I protest Satan dragging people down to hell under seven sacraments of Rome and the priest helping him. I protest it. I'm against it. Decidedly. 1.3 billion souls, precious men, women, and children. Just today, just alive today. Satan has been doing this for centuries. Charles Spurgeon said, Quote, false gods attempts to represent the true God and indeed all material things which are worshipped are so much filth upon the face of the earth whether they be crosses, crucifixes, virgins, wafers, relics or even the Pope himself. We are far too mealy-mouthed about these infamous abominations. God abhors them and so should we. To renounce the glory of spiritual worship for outward pomp and show is the height of folly and deserves to be treated as such. God abhors them, and so should we. God hates them, and so should we. God hates them with a holy hatred, and so should we. They are against God. They are against Christ. They are against the gospel, and they are against precious souls. In Sunday school, I, I tried to conjure an illustration that the children would not forget. Some of you missed it. We're not talking about comparing churches like donuts. And on one hand, we have a chocolate frosted donut. On the other, a maple frosted donut, right? And I really don't like chocolate frosted donuts. I can pass them by all day long. And I really enjoy a maple frosted donut. That is my clear preference. And I dislike chocolate covered donuts. No, we're not comparing donuts. It's not a chocolate-covered donut that I don't prefer. It is poison dog poo versus a maple donut. There's only one choice, and one I really appreciate. You could even say, in a food category, I love. The other I detest, I abhor, and I hate. And if someone was giving poison poo to children to eat, oh, I would hate that. If someone was giving poison poo to men and women to eat, oh, I hate that. And if they were telling them, this is the path to heaven, eat this, and this will redeem your soul. Oh, I despise that. Is that a vivid illustration, saints? Because most of the church, the vast majority of those who call themselves Reformed and otherwise, are treating the Roman Catholic Church as if it's a chocolate donut they don't really prefer. It's not a donut. It's poison poo from hell. And they're feeding it all around the world every day at noon to men and women who come thinking this is the path to heaven. Oh, that we would see clearly. If you think my illustration too strong, do some research on the illustrations of Martin Luther and you'll think I'm no reformer at all. God abhors them, whether they be wafers or relics, virgins, crucifixes, all which stand in the place of Christ. Spurgeon elsewhere said, Popery is contrary to Christ's gospel and is the Antichrist, and we ought to pray against it. 
do you understand? The popes are not nice, sweet, old gentlemen. They are servants of Satan. They are antichrists. They're at the helm of Satan's church, leading precious men, women, and children to hell. Do you understand that historically, it was the popes themselves who personally engineered the cruel, vicious, and perverted instruments to torture our Protestant forefathers? That's another study worth your time. And I've seen some of these pope-engineered monstrous machines recreated in real life, rebuilt from the designs that antiquity has left behind. And hear me, they came right out of hell, along with their doctrine. Popery is contrary to Christ's gospel and is the Antichrist, and we ought to pray against it. Today is Reformation Sunday. October 31st is coming early this next week. The Sunday preceding October 31st, we celebrate the Reformation. We remember the Reformation. We preach Reformation. Happy Reformation Day, saints. What is Reformation Day? What is its significance and meaning? In the year 1517, on October 31st, Martin Luther took up his hammer and nailed his 95 theses on the chapel door at Wittenberg. One of Luther's 95 theses simply declares, quote, the church's true treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about, saints. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about keeping the main thing the main thing. What is Reformation Day? It's the day the light of the gospel broke forth out of darkness. It was the day that began the Protestant Reformation. It was a day that led Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, and many other reformers helping the church find its way back to God's word as the only supreme authority for faith and life and leading the church back to the glorious doctrines of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It kindled the fires of missionary endeavors. It led to hymn writing and congregational singing. It led to the centrality of the sermon and preaching for the people of God versus an altar and the re-crucifying of Christ daily in Mass. It is the celebration of a theological, ecclesiastical, and cultural transformation. So yes, Reformation Day is worthy of celebration. This day reminds us to be thankful for our past and to the monk-turned-reformer named Martin Luther. What's more, this day reminds us of our duty, our obligation to keep the light of the gospel at the center of all we do. Was Reformation something that was needed only in the medieval Roman Catholic Church? There seems to be Significant confusion today among many Reformed-ish folks, and you don't want to be Reformed-ish. Here's a few vital, basic Reformation Day reminders. I say this with abounding love for Christ, His church, and the lost. Being Reformed is not actually about beards, micro-brew, tattoos, cursing, cigars, tumblers of whiskey, or being cool at all. Being Reformed is about more than a historical event or doctrinal statement. Being Reformed is chiefly about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not really Reformed if you're not an actual gospel declaring, defining, and defending Reformer. You're not really Reformed if you're not laboring to rescue the 1.3 billion Roman Catholics who are perishing under Catholicism's abominable Antichrist heresies. You're not really Reformed if you have ecumenical hymn sings and prayer meetings with Roman Catholics when you should be calling them to repent of their false Christ and false gospel. If you say Roman Catholics are brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not Reformed at all. You're a counter-reformer and an enemy of the gospel. If you get an A-plus in Reformed eschatology and an F-minus in Reformed soteriology, you're not Reformed at all. You're not even a Christian. Repent, believe the gospel, then call our Catholic friends to do the same. 
Semper Reformanda is the sixth point of the five solas of the Reformation. It's not a sola, it's a semper. Therefore, it's the sixth point. And without the sixth point, you're not a reformer. You're just reformed. What are those five pillars of the Reformation? Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Gratia, grace alone. Sola Fide, faith alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. Sola de Gloria, to the glory of God alone. And that sixth pillar, Semper Reformanda, always reforming. Always reforming. I want to cut directly this Reformation Lord's Day to Roman Catholicism's idolatry of Mary and to park there for a bit, where I find that there are certain points that help clarify how heretical the Roman Catholic Church is, how clearly it is Satan's church and not God's church, how clearly it is Antichrist. It is against Christ, and it has replaced Christ with another. And the Roman Catholic Church's doctrine of Mary, its idolatry of Mary, makes it very clear. Hear me. If you love Jesus... You hate the idolatry of Mary. He hates it. She hates it. Remember, Mary is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ. And she is in heaven worshiping him as her God, her Lord, her Savior. What Rome has done with Mary is hated by God the most, and humanly speaking, by Mary the second most, I have no doubt. What does the Catechism of the Catholic Church say regarding Mary? It says this. Regarding Mary's so-called, quote, saving office. Saving office. We could probably stop there if we actually believe the gospel. If we actually believe the Bible, you should already be incensed. You should be crying for the torch of God's word. Is not my word of fire? Pastor, you said, you said the words of fire. Get the fire, Pastor. They said Mary has a saving office. Get the fire. Burn that down. Well, that's what I'm here to do. Burn that down. Regarding Mary's so-called saving office, paragraph 969 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, quote, Taken up to heaven... She did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. Therefore, the Blessed Virgin is invoked in the church under the titles Advocate, Helper, Benefactress, and Mediatrix. This is a denial, saints, and blasphemy of Christ. Christ alone is our advocate and mediator. Christ alone sent the Spirit to be our helper, alone. Mary is none of these things, nor is she the queen of heaven. There is no queen in heaven. There's a king, Jesus. Paragraph 966 blasphemously declares her to be the queen of heaven. Ascribing to Mary salvific titles, offices, and works of God is gross idolatry. Bowing before a statue of Mary and praying to her as advocate, helper, benefactrix, and mediatrix is idolatry. And idolatry is hatred of God. If you want to see idolatry in rare form, every Christmas Rome puts on its pageant of idolatry. And the Pope and his bishops and his priests gather with a great congregation of Roman Catholics and they bow before Mary as a statue. And they pray to Mary prayers that are blasphemous because they ascribe to Mary the powers and offices of God himself. Then they turn and bow to a statue of the supposed baby Jesus. And they worship the statue of Jesus. Then they place a wafer on the Pope's staff and they worship the incarnate Son of God come down from heaven in the form of bread as they transstantiate Him out of heaven. Literally, they worship 
Jesus the wafer. So it's idolatry upon idolatry upon idolatry, and then they eat Jesus the wafer. They finish with cannibalism for justification of sin. Saints, this is not Christianity. This is not the gospel. This is not Christ's church. That's not Christ's pope. That's not Christ's priest. That's not Christ's wafer. It's all of Satan. It's all Antichrist. And the Word of God burns it all down. The Catechism, the official doctrinal statement of the Church of Rome, says that Mary is our advocate. What does the Word of God say? 1 John 2.1, here's the fire of God's Word. 1 John 2.1, if anyone sins, we have an advocate, an advocate, singular, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now you must know that elsewhere... Rome's doctrines teach, their official doctrines, their, their canon law. This is, this is the law, doctrinally speaking, of the Roman Catholic Church. Every pope, every priest ascribes to it, and every true Catholic must ascribe to it. They teach that Mary was born without sin, that she was immaculately conceived, and that she had no sin nature, which again, they ascribe to Mary what was only true of Jesus so when 1 John 2.1 says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate, singular, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. They say, no, 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 we, we have another advocate, Mary, who also is, guess what? The righteous. They blaspheme Christ at every turn. They replace him with another, Mary. And they ascribe to her both saving power as an advocate and righteousness, that she is innately righteous. And Mary is a daughter of Eve, like every woman, and a sinner by nature, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. 2 Timothy 2.5 says, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But the church of Rome says, quote, taken up to heaven, she did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. Therefore, the blessed virgin is invoked by the church under the titles of advocate, helper, benefactress, and mediatrix. I don't want a mediatrix. I don't want any tricks at all. And with the one true mediator, Jesus Christ. Again, 1 Timothy 2.5, the fire of God's word put to the heresies of Rome. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And Rome shows up and says, oh, no, 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 there's another mediator. Well, actually, mediatrix, Mary. But wait, there's also the priests. There's also the popes, dead saints. They have many mediators, but Mary's the chief antichrist mediator of the Church of Rome, put in place of Christ, and so very often above Christ. They ascribed to Mary also the title of helper there. Helper, what does the Word of God say? What does the fire of God's holy word say, John 14, verse 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. There's only one helper in the Bible and it's the Holy Spirit of God. The spirit of truth. They ascribe to Mary the titles, offices, and powers of God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. That is rank idolatry. Soul-damning idolatry. In Sunday school, we drew on the whiteboard the basic theological math equation of the gospel versus the false gospel of Rome. The gospel is grace alone plus faith alone equals salvation in Jesus Christ alone that works. So equals salvation in Christ that works. Rome says grace, not alone, but grace plus faith plus works, sacraments, Mary's works, purgatory, your suffering there, working off your sins, equals salvation. A false gospel 
brought to you against the spirit of truth, against the inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired and errant and preserved word of God. In John 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's not, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So again, the Lord Jesus says, I'm going away. It's good that I go away. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he, the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. To convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment that sinners might be saved. The Roman Catholic Church has officially and casually declared Mary to be on par with God, to hold the very offices of God, to exercise the very powers of God, to be innately righteous like God. Oh, and by the way, you you probably missed it. Um, It says, taken up to heaven. She did not lay aside this saving office. Wait a minute, taken up to heaven. Anyone have any departed relatives? Were they taken up to heaven? Is that the terminology you use? What are they talking about there? That she was caught up to heaven like the Lord Jesus. Like a chariot came down and swooped her up bodily to heaven. That's what they're talking about. Again, they make her to be Christ. They give her the powers of Christ. The titles of Christ and the assumption of Christ and the righteousness of Christ. And what does the Word of God say of such idolatry? Is this, is this just a chocolate donut versus a maple donut? Hear me, I really, I don't know that I've eaten a chocolate donut in my adult life. I don't know that I did as a kid. I guess I probably did because I know that I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't prefer it. But you know, if I was really hungry or really, you know, having a sugar crash, needed some juice to the brain, something to get me going, get some, get some sparks going in the brain, I would go ahead and eat a chocolate donut. Probably would have had one this morning. You're probably wondering, is the pastor's brain sparking? I don't know. Give him a chocolate donut. But if there's a maple donut there, I'm eating the maple donut all day long because that's my preference. That's my preference. And I might even spirit one away for later. You never know. Watch the pastor. This is not donuts versus donuts. It's poison poo-poo. Versus the manna of heaven, Jesus Christ. The bread of life. The bread of life. What does Exodus 20 verses 4 through 5 say of this idolatry of Mary? It says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Anyone ever see the carved images of Mary? Oh yes. If you've lived much at all. You've seen the carved images of Mary. They abound. When the Pope came to Philadelphia, I went to preach the gospel and was blessed to preach the gospel to hundreds of thousands of Catholics in one week's time. It was was a high privilege of my gospel ministry life. And the scene was unreal. You can't imagine unless you're there. It was like something out of the pages of scripture. As you would imagine, like the worshipers of the temple of Diana crying out for Paul's blood as he stood firm and preached Christ. Well, they were crying for our blood, and if the police weren't there, they would have gotten it. They had to protect us the entire time. And we preached, and we preached, and we preached. And as we preached, texts like this, there is one name under heaven given among men, but you must be saved. Acts 4.12. They would cry out in response to that text. The name of Jesus, the one name under heaven, given among men, which must be saved. They would cry out, Mary, 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 in direct opposition to the name of Jesus all week long. And if they stopped crying out the name of Mary against the name of Jesus, it was Pope Francis, Pope Francis, or just Francis, Francis, Francis. See, I speak to you both from the pages of Holy Scripture, the fire of God's Word, and the binding doctrinal statement, catechism from the Church of Rome, and also experience. I have I brought the gospel to hundreds of thousands of Roman Catholics, preaching, but many thousands personally speaking with them. I brought the gospel to many, many 
priests directly, one-on-one. I've gone to our local Roman Catholic churches, knocked on the door, said I'd like to talk with you, sat down and reasoned with them over the Scriptures because I love them. And even more, I love those that they're binding up to hell under these doctrines of demons. What does God's Word say of this idolatry? You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Do you know, as we go to the local abortion clinic to minister the Word of God, for the saving of souls and the rescuing of babies, the Roman Catholic Church is there most times. And, you know, they like to bring idols of Mary and set them up along the curb and even bring poles with Mary up on a pole. And they sing worship and praise songs to Mary and they pray to Mary. Not Jesus, Mary. They commit idolatry right there in the light of day, big and bold, to combat the evil of abortion. They bring their idolatry to combat the evil, the evil idolatry to combat the evil of abortion. Talk about being ineffective. Do you know all that week in Philadelphia, I almost said Rome because it seemed like Rome, there were thousands of poles with thousands upon thousands of Mary statues on those poles and they held them high and paraded them through the streets all week long. Not statues of Jesus, which would be idolatry, mind you, but Mary, Mary, Mary. And over and over and over and over again, whenever we preach Jesus as the one name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved, they combated the name of Jesus with Mary, Mary, Mary. What does Exodus 20 say? You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those, hear this, of those who hate me. Idolatry is hatred of the true God. You think, well, that, that's kind of harsh, Pastor. Your argument's with God, not me. Idolatry is hatred of God. God's word is clear. Maybe this will help you. Don't do this, but suppose that you were to go home from work one night and go home to the neighbor's wife. How would your wife feel about that? Would she not prefer that you go home to the neighbor's wife? Or would she hate that? Because that's adultery. I think she would hate that. How about your kids? Would your kids not prefer that you go home to the neighbor's wife and the neighbor's kids? Or would your kids hate that? And say, where's daddy? And what is he doing? Because that's evil. You see, when you worship idols, you're hating God, just like adultery is hatred of the wife. Oh, may we see clearly, men. May we see clearly, women. This is not donut to donut. This is poison dog poo versus the manna of heaven, Jesus Christ. And they, they cry out for their dog poo. They cry out for their idol of Mary, mind you. It's an offense to the true Mary. Mary is not poison dog poo. Mary is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Mary is in heaven worshiping the one true God. And one day you'll meet her. But this idol of Rome is a hateful, loathsome thing. Let's make it very current. October 27th, that's pretty current, 2023, this article comes out from the Catholic News Service, quote, Pope Francis asked Mary to look mercifully upon the human family, which has strayed from the path of peace and entrusted to her protection the world's regions and nations at war. Queen of peace, quote, this is him praying, Queen of peace, you suffer with us and for us as you see so many of your children suffering from the conflicts and wars that are tearing our world apart, the Pope said during a prayer service for peace in St. Peter's Basilica, October 27th. Queen of peace. She's queen of nothing. She's a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, she is highly favored, highly honored, but queen of nothing. Certainly not queen of heaven. Certainly not queen of peace. Again, ascribing to Mary... Offices that belong to God. Jesus is the prince or king of peace. Oh, queen of peace, the world's at war. Who do we pray to? Mary, queen of peace. 
Queen of Peace, you suffer with us and for us. Does Mary suffer with us and for us? No. No. And mind you, Jesus doesn't suffer with us or for us. He suffered for us. Past tense. But he finished his work. John 19.30. It is finished. Mary is not suffering for us. Mary is not the queen of peace in place of the king or prince of peace. As you see so many of your children suffering, we are not Mary's children. (laughs) We're either children of God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, or we're children of the devil. The Bible is explicitly clear, but we're certainly not Mary's children. You find nothing in the Bible to speak of that. But you do find how committed in a very practical and current events way the Roman Catholic Church is to the idolatry of Mary. The article continues, quote, At this dark hour, this is a dark hour, mother. We submerge ourselves in your luminous eyes. We entrust ourselves to your heart, sensitive to our problems. I don't want to be submerged in Mary's luminous eyes. Mary is not our mother. This is madness. And again, that's ascribing to her an office that belongs to God. Not that God is mother, but God is the Father. And they elevate Mary up like God the Father to God the Mother. She is not our mother. We are not submerged in her luminous eyes. We don't entrust ourselves to her heart. After this quote... It says, he said, looking at an icon of Mary, meaning he was praying to a statue of Mary, an idol of Mary, a literal physical idol of Mary. Again, Exodus 20, verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. The article continues, with a black beaded rosary in hand. What's a rosary? It's a system of praying to Mary. With a black beaded rosary in hand, Pope Francis prayed with the cardinals, bishops, and delegates of the assembly of the synagogue of bishops, recalling Mary's strength and initiative from several gospel scenes, the visitation, the wedding feast at Cana, Jesus' passion and resurrection. Now, quote, now mother once more take the initiative for us in these times rent by conflicts and waste by fires of arms, the Pope said. Teach us to cherish and care for life, each and every human life, and to repudiate the folly of war which sows death and eliminates the future. Nonsense. Mary doesn't teach us. God teaches us primarily the Spirit of God, the helper, the one who's the real helper. The spirit of truth, who illuminates the word of God that he inspired. Again, ascribing to Mary offices and powers of God, the Holy Spirit. Pope Francis continues. He asked Mary to, quote, touch the hearts of those imprisoned by hatred, convert those who fuel and foment conflict. Queen of all peoples, reconcile your children seduced by evil, blinded by power and hate, he said. Queen of all peoples. And hear me, this is consistent Roman Catholic behavior. In the midst of COVID, Portland's Roman Catholic churches got together, got a giant statue of Mary, put it on a pavilion with poles, like the Ark of the Covenant, and carried it with pomp and circumstance and robes with a great number of Roman Catholics trailing behind, carried it through Portland praying to Mary. The Pope also asked her to care for the victims of war, children, the elderly, and the isolated, the sick, and the wounded, and those forced to abandon their homeland and loved ones due to conflict. What nonsense this is. It's the same kind of nonsense I experience on a regular basis at the local abortion clinic as they worship Mary in song and pray to Mary to end the evil of the murder of the unborn child. And and I think, well, how tragic that you waste your time. Or worse, you're not just wasting your time, you're blaspheming God. I've pled to them to repent and come to the true Savior, Jesus Christ, and to pray to the one true God, as Jesus said, Lord, how should we pray? We'll pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You pray to the Father through the Son, in the Spirit, not to Mary or any other idol. 
Oh, how tragic. Hear me, the sad reality is they're on the same side as the abortion industry. It's all Satan's. It's all a broad road that leads to hell. It's all evil. One just has the glamour and glitz and the incense and the, the fancy robes and fish hats and staffs and wafers of religion. But it's death. It's death, eternal. And it's lies. Oh, they tell lies in the clinic and they're telling lies outside the clinic. And the Pope's speaking his lies over the world. Quote, To you we consecrate our world, especially those countries and regions at war. He's consecrating the world to Mary. You should know that Pope John Paul, when he died, he left the planet and all humanity in his will to Mary. Because he's Christ's vicar on earth, don't you know? And so he has the power and authority to leave the planet and all humanity to Mary in his popish will. That's madness. But that's Roman Catholic theology. He continues, To you we consecrate the church, so that in her witness to the love of Jesus before the world, she may, she may be a sign of harmony and an instrument of peace. Present on the altar was an icon of Mary, a statue, an idol, uh, titled or named Salus Populi Romani, uh, which has been present on the stage at the Vatican Audience Hall where the assembly of the Synod on Synodality has been held. Among the cardinals present for the ceremony was Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the Pope's Ukraine peace envoy and a synod delegate. Ambassadors of the Holy See from many nations also attended. On the eve of the last working day of the assembly of the Synod of Bishops, Pope Francis asked Mary to, quote, help us preserve unity in the church and to be artisans of communion in the world. Quote, make us realize once more the importance of the role we play, strengthen our sense and responsibility for the cause of peace as men and women called to pray, worship, intercede, and make reparation for the whole human race. After Pope Francis' prayer for peace, the Eucharist was exposed on the Basilica's main altar and a moment for silent prayer in adoration was observed. So after they prayed to the idol of Mary, the Pope wafer, which is the really big wafer, was exposed. They uncovered it for everybody to see and then they adored, worshipped the wafer. So they worship a piece of bread and they pray to Mary and give her the titles and powers of God. Idolatry upon idolatry upon idolatry. And that's just one news article out of the Vatican News from October 27th. How about the prayers to Mary? The prayers to Mary. The prayer titled, Hail Mary. Anyone ever hear that? Oh, forgive me for reading this. I'm sorry. This is a blasphemy of God and of Christ, but you need to hear it so you can see it for what it is. It's not a chocolate donut. Hail Mary, full of grace. Who is full of grace? God alone, and specifically Jesus Christ. Hail Mary, full of grace. This is again ascribing to Mary attributes of God, powers of God. Hail Mary, full of grace. Hail Mary. They always like to say, well, we're just saying kind of like, hi, Mary. No, it's a statement of worship. Who do you hail? Kings and gods. It's a worshipful statement. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary. Is Mary holy? No, Mary is a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Holy Mary, mother of God. Is she the mother of God? No, that's heresy. She's the mother of the human being, Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. It is heresy to say she is the mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. That's the Hail Mary. Pray for us sinners. Um, hmm. Who is the one mediator between God and men? The man Christ Jesus. What is Hail Mary? It's praying to the co-mediatrix in place of the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Oh, let the word of God burn that down. That blasphemous, idolatrous prayer to Mary. 
How about the popular Roman Catholic prayer titled, Hail, Holy Queen? See, if you love God and you love Jesus and you believe the gospel, just the title of these prayers motivates you to grab the fire of God's word or to call the pastor. Pastor, get the fire. Burn that thing down. A prayer titled, Hail, Holy Queen. And that's how it opens. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy. Hail, Holy Queen. She's not a queen. She's not holy. She's not the Mother of Mercy. Again, the Bible ascribes to God, being God the Father of Mercy. Our life, our sweetness, and our hope. She's not our life. She's not our sweetness. She's not our hope. To thee do we cry. We do not cry to her. Poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs. No, we don't send up our sighs to her because there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Mourning and weeping in this valley of tears, turn then, most gracious advocate. She is no advocate except for Satan's advocate in Satan's church. And if you pray to her, then you are deceived by Satan and you will be damned with Satan. Oh, may God give us clarity that we would love our Roman Catholic friends. Hear me, praying with a Roman Catholic is hating them. And you know what the number one request was? The number one statement in Philadelphia was, um, well, I can't give that statement. It was profane. Second to that, um, threats of violence and or murder. But third, if there was a peaceful response, it was, can we pray together as brothers? And over and over again, I had to say, no, because we're not brothers. Oh, I wish you could be my brother, and you can be, but you must repent of your idolatry. Do you not see, in that context, it was so easy. Do you not see the idolatry? It is everywhere. Do you not see it? Now, hear me. The Roman Catholic Church is idolatry from the front door to the back door, out the side doors. It is idolatry everywhere. If you go to the grotto in Portland, which, by the way, is on the so-called Protestant Christian radio every year at Christmas as the premier place to go with your family to celebrate Christmas to the Catholic grotto. If you go to the grotto, what do you find? Idolatry front to back. You walk on the property. On the left, there's a shop that is full of idols. What they're selling there, idol after idol after idol after idol. Idols to Joseph, idols to Mary, idols to every other so-called saint. Who are the saints of God? Those who are born again from above, washed with the blood of Jesus Christ, not those that Rome says are saints because we have conjured some supposed miracle. Anyhow, an idol shop, which if you buy your idol there, great news. You can wait for the service to be over and the priest, often for a bit of pay, will bless that idol and give it extra power. So you can take your candle of Mary or candle of Joseph or your little statue or your little medallion home, freshly blessed with, you know, maybe only a $10 bill, $20 bill to the priest's pocket. I've stood there and watched it happen as they wait there with much hope with their newly purchased idol for the priest to come out of the mass to bless that idol so they can go home and worship the idol at home with a special blessing from the Antichrist priest. Oh, it's so evil. Now on the right, the left, is the idol store. On the right is a cave, a cave. And in that cave are hundreds, if not thousands of candles. And people come there every day and they pay for these candles and they light these candles and they put them before Mary, the statue, the idol in the cave. And they pray their prayers to Mary. Sometimes they write them in little slips and they leave them there to Mary. So idol sails on the left, idol cave on the right, primarily Mary on both sides. You go into the actual chapel, the actual so-called church, Satan's chapel, Satan's church. And you have at the back wall behind the altar where Christ is re-crucified every day in unholy mass. You have a beautiful painting on the wall, huge of God the Father and God the Son lowering a crown on Mary's head. And she's in the center. She is the focal point. Idolatry, front to back. Along the walls on both sides are statues of the so-called saints, and beneath the statues are boxes where you can put your written-out prayers to the saints. Idolatry, front to back. Then you can walk through this beautiful 
property, this beautiful park-like property. And what it is, is a path from idol to idol to idol. Statues all throughout this beautiful property where people go and worship idols. And every year, the local Christian radio puts this on as the premier place to go with your family as they put all their Christmas lights up for you to go with your family as Protestant Christians to celebrate Christmas. I've gone there many times and preached the gospel. Many times and spoken with those attending. Going in, coming out, the priests loved my neighbors. And we'll go again. We'll go again. Because I love them. How about the litany of the rosary, the Blessed Virgin Mary? Again, a popular prayer. The litany of the rosary, the Blessed Virgin Mary. I don't think we're going to get off Mary today. It breaks my heart. You know why? Because I want to put the torch of God's holy word to this whole wicked institution. I want to burn Satan's church to the ground doctrine by doctrine. And there are 10,000 torches. More than enough to light all the filthy abominations of Rome and burn them to the ground. The litany of the rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. Starts out pretty good. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world. God, the Holy Spirit, Holy Trinity, one God, Holy Mary. And you take a hard left turn to hell. You say all these wonderful things about God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And then you throw Mary right up there with them. Holy God. Holy Father, Holy Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy Mary, right up there with them. Holy Mary, pray for us. Holy Mother of God, Holy Virgin of Virgins, Mother of Christ, Mother of the Church, Mother of Divine Grace. Such blasphemy. Mother most pure, again, sinless nature. Mother most chaste, mother inviolate, mother undefiled, mother most amiable, mother admirable, mother of good counsel, mother of our creator, mother of our creator, madness, mother of our savior, mother of mercy, virgin most prudent, virgin most venerable, virgin most renowned, virgin most powerful, virgin most merciful, virgin most faithful, mirror of justice, seat of wisdom, cause of our joy, spiritual vessel, vessel of honor, singular vessel of devotion, mystical rose, tower of David, tower of ivory, house of gold, ark of the covenant, gate of heaven. Gate of heaven, saints. Who wants a torch? Gate of heaven. Morning star. Who's the morning star? Jesus. Who is the gate of heaven? I am the door. Jesus. Health of the sick. Refuge of sinners. Who is the refuge of sinners? Jesus Christ. He is the friend of sinners. Comfort of the afflicted. Help of Christians. Queen of angels. This false Mary, this idol Mary, is indeed the queen of angels, the queen of demons. Queen of patriarchs, queen of prophets, queen of apostles, queen of martyrs, queen of confessors, queen of virgins, queen of all saints, queen conceived without original sin, queen assumed into heaven, queen of the most holy rosary, queen of families, queen of peace. And you've heard enough. There are more prayers and more blasphemies. They are unending saints. Again, the authoritative, heretical, official, doctrinal statement of Rome, paragraph 969, taken up to heaven, she did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. Therefore, the Blessed Virgin is invoked in the church under the titles Advocate, Helper, Benefactress, and Mediatrix. This is heresy upon heresy upon heresy, antichrist statement after antichrist statement, satanic lie upon satanic lie, and may God's word burn it down. And it's our job to carry the word of God forth, to expose the evil of Rome, and to call our Roman Catholic friends and neighbors to repentance and faith in Christ. And I've had the joy and privilege of doing that. And hear me, I love them. Some of them have hated me. Many of them have hated me. But many have loved me. Many who have had that pleasure of my acquaintance. (laughs) Over the years at the abortion clinic have come to love me 
and even call me pastor. And some of them even stood up to protect me when men who hate God and hate the unborn were threatening violence and attempting violence. They stood between me and those trying to attack me. I love them, but they must repent. Are they going to perish under these filthy abominations, under this gross idolatry? They are feasting upon poisoned dog poo. I love them enough to tell them. Will you love them, saints? Will you love them? Will you speak to them? Or you withhold the truth they desperately need? Will you cry, peace, peace, where there can be no peace? Will you pray with them and help damn their soul? Giving them the idea that they too are Christians, that you are one and the same? Will you converse with them as, as if you're both Christians? Or will you say, you know what, I'd, I'd love to speak with you about various things of God and the Bible, but I've got to talk to you about the main thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I love you. You know, I would love to pray with you, but I can't because I love God and I love Jesus. And you would just as likely pray to Mary, more likely perhaps, than to pray to Jesus. And there is one mediator between God and the man Christ, Jesus. And salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And the fact that you pray to Mary makes it explicitly clear that your faith is not in Jesus alone. And that's just the beginning. We could talk about baptismal regeneration. Infants being sprinkled with unholy water by unholy priests and pronounced clean. Their original sin removed. Born again from above. New creatures in Christ. Now members of the eternal church. That's another gospel. We can talk about purgatory. You know, if you're not a real good Catholic, you don't do so well, that's okay. You can still work it off in purgatory. You can suffer for your sins in a hellish tank called purgatory, and after you've suffered long enough, you too can come under the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Well, that's not the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus finished his work. It is finished. You're either saved through faith in Jesus Christ to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, or you die in your sins as an idolater or a general sinner, and the wage of sin is death and hell, and the Bible is explicit and clear, and we must love our Roman Catholic neighbors enough to speak specifically and Clearly, some months ago, we went to the abortion clinic and were blessed with a crowd of hundreds of Catholics. I don't know what they were doing, but they showed up by the hundreds and they had many priests with them leading them. And I went back to the car because I'd only packed a small amp to the clinic. So I went back to the car. I got my largest amp. I always try to come fully prepared for whatever opportunity the Lord might give. I got the largest amplifier. And I didn't face the clinic. You know why? I love to rescue babies. But Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is our primary mission, always. If I can rescue babies and preach the gospel that saves sinners, praise God. Two birds, one glorious Bible stone. But that day, I didn't face the clinic. I faced them. Some of your dear brothers were with me, and they got to participate. They got to engage in conversation and then we were blessed to follow them. They loaded up on buses. And I thought, you know, this is providence. We followed them on their buses. We went back to their Catholic church with them, all the way to Vancouver. I thought, it's providence. I'm a reformer. There's a radical reformer standing before you. I'm a Martin Luther, hang the theses on the door of the chapel Wittenberg and start a fight for Jesus. I'm not Martin Luther, mind you. But I believe the gospel. And I believe they're perishing in their sins. And I believe this fight is worth fighting for the glory of God and the redemption of sinners. And so we went there, and we didn't interrupt the service. I'm not a jerk. I'm a reformer. But before the service started, as they're getting off the buses, going, we preached the gospel with love, but with much truth. And once the service started, the doors closed, many stayed outside to converse with us, and we got to stand and speak to them the words of truth and life. It's a precious ministry and I praise God for the opportunity. And may you pray and keep praying that we can stand as a light for Christ in the midst of many sinners, atheist, agnostic, Muslim, Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, and Catholics who are perishing. And I pray that many of you will get to stand with me. And should the Pope come to America again, God willing, we will be there. We will be there. But you know what was so sad? I was the only pastor on those streets. There were many evangelists, praise God, well, by many, not enough, 15, 20 in the entire city of Philadelphia preaching the gospel to millions of Catholics. But I was the only pastor there. 
Where were the Philadelphia pastors? New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Where were they? Where were the pastors of America? Where were the Reformed pastors? You know those big hitters who preach the Reformed doctors of the faith to thousands every Sunday safely in the pews inside those four walls? Where were they where the Pope of Rome, the Antichrist servant of Satan, showed up in America? Where were they? Pray for the church. Pray for the so-called Reformed church. It needs a revival. It needs a revival. There'll be lots of history lessons taught today, preached today, about the history of the Reformation. There'll be lots of theological lessons taught today about the theology of the Reformation. There'll be very, very little of what I preach today. I'm not saying, hey, be like Chuck. I'm saying, hey, be like Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come into the world to ignore 1.3 billion people being drugged to hell under antichrist satanic lies. Be like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word, Lord, as we drill down on one heresy, the idolatry of Mary in the Roman Catholic Church, and brought the fire of your word to bear upon it. We thank you for that clarity. May we not forget it, Lord. And Father, may you light in us a fire for the gospel, a fire for the love of our Roman Catholic neighbors. And may it not go out, Lord. May it not go out. May it not be put out by indifference. Fill us, Lord, with the fruit of the Spirit, love. And may we plead for the precious souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. Let's close together in song.